Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline. The Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. It's Mark, Maddie, and Michael this afternoon. And I don't know what it's like where you are. Well, Michael, you guys got what? Um, Calgary got any snow? I know I have a friend in Saskatchewan. We always start with the weather report, by the way. It's my favorite part of this podcast. <laughs> so we should get a Weather Channel sponsorship. Um, but yeah, I, I had a friend who lives in Saskatchewan. And I think she said they got like four feet of snow or something ridiculous over like a two or three day span after it was like springtime. So, Michael, are you okay up there? Are you alive? Everything good? It's been very frustrating in that we've had, I think, three separate snowfalls of about four to six inches in the last like week and a half where it would melt every time in between and look like spring. And then as soon as it's like just about ready to go outside again, it dumps another like six inches of snow. So, yeah, it's it's been a frustrating couple of weeks up here. And today it's like a hurricane. So, you know, all that good stuff. Well, it's like you finally got the wind that Maddie had that made its way up to me last week has finally made its way across the <laughs> across the continent and made it up to you. Maddie, how are you doing this afternoon? Hanging in there. It, it was snowing a little bit on my drive into work this morning, and that was pretty upsetting, if I'm honest. Oh I was happy to be at work last night doing something, standing outside in a driving rain, and it was 55 degrees at 2 a.m., so I was happy because <laughs> we all just perspective i suppose all right so we are uh, talking calgary flames hockey today um since our last podcast things haven't gotten any better so that's a bonus um they're still terrible uh it seems like there's maybe some division in the ranks you know there's some issues between coach coach's brother and star player um sean monahan maybe should be on a milk carton we have no idea where he has gone uh you might want to put jacob markstrom on the other side of that milk carton too as well because he's there but he's been kind of terrible as well so um, let's just hop right in the flames, you know, things are just not looking good right now. Um, Michael, uh, your current state of the flames, what are you thinking right now? Um, right now I'm just, I've kind of resigned myself in the last week and a half or so to the fact that like, you kind of just got to see what you have the rest of this season and sell off guys and look forward to the next one and like start making moves with next year in mind, because I think the best odds I've seen for them lately is around a 15% chance to make the playoffs. I've seen it as low as like three or four from some sites. Like they're clearly done this year just with the way everything is going. So I'm just, I'm fully on like, let's see what we can do for next year at this point. 15% and 4% is the 15% from a certain flames broadcaster. Is he more like 75% where the rest of the world sees everything and is 4%. I was going to say he's more like, I think 90 or 95. (laughs) Listen, Montreal has so many games they still have to play, and if they go 500 and the Flames win out and a comet passes the earth at a certain angle and the sun rises, it's stupid. Maddie, how about you? Has your opinion Uh, changed since Friday? Not really. I mean, I've been figuring it's, it's pretty much over for a bit here, and it's that hasn't changed. Yeah, I, I think yeah. I'm with you too. I think I'm with you. I think we've all resigned ourselves that this thing is over. O V A H over. It is done for the season. Now, if you're trying to get back in, I don't know what Sutter was thinking the other night. Um, I don't think 
anybody really knows what's going on inside that man's head, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But the other night, that lineup they put out on the ice was like a preseason split squad nonsensical lineup. It, I mean, it was loaded with bottom six talent. Maddie, when you look at a lineup like that, is that I'm giving up? I'm trying to motivate some people. I'm doing like, what the hell were the Flames thinking the other night? I don't know. I mean, I look at a lineup like that and think they're tanking. Thank you. Exactly. We're going for Owen Power, and that's <laughs> what we're doing here. Um, I don't know. I, I know we've seen a bit of scratching better players trying to send a message, um, and I don't know if this was that. If it was, I hate it, mm-hmm. to be frank. But, um, yeah, I just I, – I don't know why you go about making your – on ice product worse while you're you know screaming about trying to get back into the playoff mix yeah and i know you and i are both in the same boat here and I'm, i think michael is too and even when when gordy's in i think we all agree that if you're gonna mess with the lineup you go down to stockton and you bring up some of the kids and put them in the lineup and mess with the lineup that way if you're done uh michael when you looked at that lineup the other day i think gordy did the lines column that day and i think it said like this is the worst line yet I think that was the title of the article. Like, Michael, what were your thoughts the other night? And and the result was probably what should have been expected with said lineup, no? Well, yeah. Like, I kind of thought when they were scratching, I think it was Val Mackey and Dubé, that, like, okay, maybe they're just kind of giving these guys like a game, maybe two to look at it. But then when it sounded like they were going to do pretty much the same thing last night in Vancouver had the game been played, like, I'm just at the point, like I said, if the season's already pretty much done, which – I don't even think you really need to put in a bad roster to tank with this team. I think they're going to tank on their own, no matter who's playing. That's a valid point. If you're if you're looking at yeah, if you're looking at next season, you might as well like keep these young guys in. Like you said, call up young guys, let them make their rookie mistakes, let them learn their lessons this year in the last twenty games, rather than playing these guys like Nesterov and Stone and whoever who are going to be most likely gone and provide no value. You're not trading Michael Stone or Nesterov for this. There's really no reason to have them in the lineup, whether you're trying to win or you're trying to lose at this point, in my opinion. No, I completely agree. Having, I mean, I guess you're giving Stone some touches just to get him out there or whatever. But, like, the fact – I mean, Dubé had one bad game, and then all of a sudden Dubé's on the bench yet. We'll get into our next topic. Like, how bad has Monaghan sucked all season, but Monaghan doesn't get to sit for a game? Um, by the way, what, anybody got an opinion? Like, what's this going – our next topic, what's going on? on with Sean Monaghan? It always seems like every year at the end of the season, it's like, oh, Monaghan had a bad season because – he had four sports hernias or his wrist was hurting him or he had a tummy ache for six months. I, like there's always something wrong with Monaghan. Uh, Maddie, you got to, you got to take on the lack of Sean Monaghan. By the way, if you heard the ding, Michael fell off the podcast. I don't, he's like Gordy's <laughs> water bottle. He just got dropped. <laughs> Actually, he's just out. He had to say about youth and he's done. <laughs> Goodbye. So, Maddie, you're, you're, yeah. Your thoughts on Sean Monaghan. Like what's up? Uh, wish I knew. I mean, I certainly wouldn't be surprised if we hit exit interviews and we found out that he was playing through something um, and that was hurting him. But I, I don't know. I don't know. It just seems every year there's something Monaghan gets stuck with. And I'm like, I get it if you're injured, like, you know, and there's always that old coach adage, are you playing hurt or are you playing injured? Like you can play if you're hurt, you know, playing injured is always not smart, no matter how much money you're making, what professional league you are in. But, if he's actually hurt, I mean, shame on the Flames for continuing to play him and watching him slump. Um, for one, it's not smart because you get a player hurt. I look at a guy like 
to equate it to football, what the Washington Redskins did to Robert Griffin III when they played him hurt. And that kid had all the talent in the world, and his career just went right into the toilet after playing hurt, and he was never the same. Um, and if you're playing a guy injured and making him look poor, and he's a guy you're potentially looking to trade, I don't think that's smart either because then your value is going right down, right? Um, or am I wrong in that assessment? No, you're absolutely right. And it's just like all of the bad things are sort of compounding on each other right now. And it's uh, it's tough to see. And like you sort of alluded to in our last section, um, it definitely feels like there's this wheel of selective accountability going mm-hmm. with the Flames right now. And like, I'm surprised we haven't seen Monaghan sit. And whether that's performance-based or if they're just gonna try and smooth out the optics and be like oh you know he's got a little nagging thing we're gonna give him a night off or like the schedule is insane he's tired we're trying to manage that like however you want to spin it um i would like to see them do something and like be more consistent in how they're holding guys accountable for poor play yeah and i love your term the selective wheel of accountability i love that i you should trademark it and put it on a t-shirt uh, Full because, disclosure, like, I did steal that from like Flyers Twitter because we're dealing with the exact same thing right now with Elaine Vigneault. Listen, we can All we coaches can be bad. We can be we can be brothers in sadness or sisters in sadness together. It's okay. <laughs> we get symmetry. We can all be together. It's but no, I like continuity. It is. It's it's ridiculous. And I love the fact that like I love that term because everybody's like all over Goudreau if he only has five assists in five games and hasn't scored, or everybody's all over Dubé because he had a bad back check that led to a goal. But nobody gets on, like there is no accountability on Matthew Kachuk's end. He says the same things after every game and nobody's like, ah, he's, it's okay, he's Kachuk, he'll be the captain someday. But like, no, he sucks too. Like they're all playing terrible and he needs to be held accountable. Michael, we're talking um, Sean Monaghan. Uh, everything okay? Did you have to deal with the, uh, the, the flooring inlay there for a little bit? Oh, no, you know, just lovely work being on call and, like, you never get called, like, ever. And then suddenly when you're recording a podcast, that's when you get called. So, yeah, no, we're good now, though. All right, perfect. No, Maddie and I were just talking about, like, Monaghan. If he's hurt, shame on the Flames for playing him, one, two, or if he's injured, to further that injury. Or, two, you're killing his trade value just by the way he's playing. Um, What are your thoughts on Monaghan right now and, like, what's going on? Well, yeah, like you were saying with his potential, like, if he's potentially injured, like, we have seen a number of times over the years now where, his play is dipped and then it's come out at the end of the season that, oh, he had a wrist injury or he had something. He's, I think he's had like three surgeries already yep. on his wrist from like various things. Like you're, you're exactly right at this point. You're, he's either hurt and he's not adding anything we need to either get him healed up or he's tanking his trade value. Like there's really no other way to kind of look at how the season's going for him. And like, I find it hard to believe he just forgot how to play like even decent hockey overnight. I know he's never been the best player at both ends of the ice, but like he just can't seem to find space. Maybe part of that's because there was Brett Ritchie most of the time, which is just stupid on another level. But <laughs> like it's, it's, it's just extremely frustrating to see that like he's not even doing anything to help out Goodrill and he's just completely weighing him down at this point. Let's hop into Johnny Goodrill right now while we're actually here. Um, Seemed like there was a minor rift a little bit between coach and player last week at Gaudreau's 500th game. Um, Sutter did not have much nice to say about Johnny Gaudreau and then his brother, Rich, the other day. And we're going to have to, uh, kids, uh, earmuffs, cover your ears. Um, Rich Sutter said that Gaudreau was horseshit in his 499th game on the ice. Um, When you're trying to keep one of the most talented, dynamic offensive players in franchise history with the team, 
Are these good ways to go about keeping said player happy, Maddie? No, no. <laughs> um, and I, I hate this so much. I just think, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't understand why coaches play this sort of call out to the media card, like, and think that players are going to respond well to it. Because I just, I can't imagine a world where your boss puts you on blast for sucking at your job in front of everybody and then responding well to that. Like I can't imagine anybody is going to be like, Oh wow, this is a, su- a work environment that I feel super good in. And I'm now extra motivated to be better at my job. It's just insane. Like, and if this keeps going on, I've accepted it's a foregone conclusion that he's gone when the contract yeah, I, is up. Like I, with the reaction between both of the Sutters, like, honestly, I don't really care what Rich Sutter has to say. He's not involved with the flame. So take a hike, buddy. Nobody cares. And and as has his head coach Sutter Daryl Sutter should be trying to find if he's trying to motivate Gaudreau find a different way to motivate him though I look at his play this year and Michael I mean it's not like Gaudreau's been terrible this year I mean I think he's become more of a two way player when I say two way player I don't say Michael Backlund you know he doesn't he's never going to be that guy that's going to go in the corners and I don't care I don't want him to do that I want Johnny Gaudreau to set people up and pile up points I don't care if he never scores forty goals in a season. Score me 20 and hand out 50 assists. I don't, that's what Gaudreau's game is. He's a playmaker. He sets people up, the puck on his stick. He's dynamic. He's fast. Michael, what are your thoughts on this whole thing? Yeah, getting back to the actual like, quotes from Sutter, I, I don't, he just strikes me as the kind of like the uncle at the family reunion that'll just kind of say something around the table and then be like, oh crap, we didn't mean to say that. <laughs> like, that's just kind of the vibe I have from it where he's just like, I'm just responding to this and then he kind of slipped it the wrong way. Like, I'm sure he meant kind of like along the lines of he needs to be better. We all need to be better, but it just came out absolutely terribly. But yeah, no, I think you you say something like that, like that's a rift that probably isn't fixable unless, I don't know, like you said, most people won't respond to it. Maybe Gaudreau, he's never really been called out at this level by a coach. Like maybe he responds to it, but yeah, it just, it strikes me as like there's, there's no right way to go about it, especially like you said, he's not really been the issue in my opinion. Like, He's playing the best hockey he can. Like you said, he's never going to be a defensive gem or anything, but he's still routinely probably the most dangerous flame every game, and he's probably the only guy out of that core that's really been even close to expectations this season. Like, if we're expecting kind of a point-per-game kind of thing, not a 100-point season like he had a few years ago. Like, if he's just expected to do kind of like a 70-, 75-point pace and be a really offensively focused forward, like, I think he's been fine. But he's just so easy to pick on, especially from the rest of the people in this fan base. It's just, I won't blame him when he walks, whether it's a trade or in two years from now. Oh, hey, Daryl Sutter, if you want Johnny Gaudreau to be better, maybe you don't play dump and chase with Johnny Gaudreau because Johnny Gaudreau is not a dump and chase player. Maybe you let him carry the puck in. It's amazing how that works. Maddie's raising her hand. She's got a hot take right now. And I think she's going to call you out, Michael, so you'll do your job better. But give me one <laughs> quick second. What I wanted to say, too, with like the whole Gaudreau thing and like, um, like the accountability factor was it Hartley that actually put him in the press box for a couple games and made him watch I think it was right before the dad's trip when the dads came up and it seemed like his play got immediately better because dad was there and I think dad put the hammer down like dad like he took no crap and said Johnny this is how life is deal with it and things got better so it has happened before Maddie go hot take let's hear it no I was just gonna say like I don't I don't know that I give Sutter that much credit. I think I think he's been doing this long enough that he knows 
exactly what he's doing. He knows how to deal with the media. I don't think he slipped. I think he knew exactly what he was saying. I think that's exactly what he wanted to get across. Um, I don't agree with it, but I, I think he knew what he was he was saying there. Yeah, no, I, Maddie, I 100% agree with you, and I, I don't agree with it either. My my thing now is, does this cause an irreparable rift between the Flames and Johnny Gaudreau? Has this now become a foregone conclusion that Calgary at some point will get rid of or he will ask for a trade and a generational talent will be gone to play somewhere else? Is is this bound to happen at this point? A quick yes, no, Maddie. Uh, I hope not, but it it kind of feels like it if it keeps trending this way. Like, we're just getting started here. I know. It's only going to get uglier, right? Yeah. Also, you've got a second hand in this, though, because a potential landing destination also makes you extremely happy on the other side, right? <laughs> I would love him in Philly. <laughs> Bring him home. Michael, yes or no? Is this is Has this rift kind of gotten to the point where uh, it's not uh, able to be repaired? Yeah, I think between what's been said and the way the Flames seem to be trending ever really since they got knocked out against Colorado where they're trying to be a bit tougher. Like, I think Shane actually wrote a great piece on our site today. It just went up. But basically the Flames are kind of stuck in a – they're bringing in a coach to make this team tougher, but Tree Living's built this team originally to be a fast-paced rush kind of offense. And I think right now we're just seeing this a team that's stuck in the middle of two identities and doing neither of them even close to all right or passably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Gaudreau has to be at the forefront of whatever this team decides to do, they need to pick one lane or the other. And it seems like based on the coach they just brought in that they're not picking his lane, which means, yeah, I think it's, I think at some point it's going to be done here from a multitude of factors. And yeah, it's, I think it's bye-bye Johnny if I had to put my money on it. And for the record, I think I will probably um say for everybody here i don't think nobody wants this to happen i think we all love johnny gaudreau we want johnny gaudreau to be a forever flame or 13 some days in the rafters or just retire in calgary i don't think anybody here wants to see this go i think and i say it a thousand times i think for his own mental health and well-being he should leave calgary just to go someplace where people like respect him and enjoy him and will watch him play hockey and not hate him because he's short and only has two assists a game like to me that's i don't think at times the fan base deserves to have johnny gaudreau here so johnny we love you we want you to stay forever but we also understand that this is a business and you need to be You need to look out for your mental well-being and sanity. We're going to take a quick break here on the Tinderbox. When we come back, we're going to talk about Jacob Markstrom. Where is Jacob gone? And then uh, we'll dig into a little bit of scheduling and um, maybe a couple little little tidbits. We've got to read a question uh, to handle as we close out the podcast. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back on the Tinderbox. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And welcome back to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. It's Mark, Maddie, and Michael this afternoon. We just covered Johnny and Daryl. We just covered, um, you know, the lines where the Flames are going this season. And let's hop into Jacob Markstrom. I think most of us, big contract in the offseason. Okay, let's see how it goes. His numbers were pretty good in Vancouver. You know, maybe this will be the first elite goalie the Flames have had in a while. 
Calgary shows up. He starts playing out of his mind. He's playing well with like Calgary. You know, finally, the Flames got a goaltender. Somebody since Kipper has stepped in. Then he tries to rile his team up and get him going, throws two body checks against with Vancouver, gets hurt. And he hasn't been the same since. Uh, Michael, I'll toss to you. Like, what's going on with Markstrom? Are we looking as fans and, you know, writers, media, whatever you want to call us, are we, are we looking down the barrel of a bad contract and a goalie that's starting to go south too quickly? Um, I mean, there's always that risk when you look at long-term goalie contracts, especially long-term and, like, pretty good money, although I don't think $6 million is, like, a total rank-to-bank deal, depending on where the NHL goes. It might be rough for a few years if he's not playing well, but I don't, I kind of held back my judgment on this just because he did play so well at the start, and then it's going pretty poorly now that it strikes me as one of those things that he could just be very streaky throughout the contract, and we might just have to live with that, but... I don't know. I don't like to judge too quick, especially on goalies on a team that's been absolute trash this year. Like, I think he's as much a product of his surroundings as he is, like, individually causing any of his mistakes. Like, obviously, there's been some plays where they just aren't playing well, but no, I think Markstrom, I, I'm, I was listening off maybe to now before I really decide how this contract might shake out. No, and that's a fair assessment because it's not like um, the Anderson Giordano line has played lights out all season in front of them, um, and the 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 bottom D pairing has been rotated so much it's hard to gain any kind of consistency. Maddie, uh, you have any thoughts on Markstrom and and his play? I mean, I know Philly had a ton of goalie issues in the last couple of years, you know, so you've been through goalie issues. Like, is should we be worried about Jacob Markstrom in Calgary at this point, or is this a hopefully a one off, or is Michael right? Are we gonna? deal with the ups and downs and ups and downs of a goalie yeah I mean my professional opinion is goalies are weird Um, (laughs) that's fair enough I I think that's really what it comes down to I goalies are you know they're gonna have a bad season here and there and it's not always like it doesn't always make sense frankly um and this we're already in a very weird year just the season the world um so I like Michael, I'm kind of waiting to, you know, pass judgment. I I do feel pretty good that he'll be able to rebound at least somewhat well. Yeah. I'm not putting up huge expectations, but I think he'll be able to improve. Uh Ask me again this time next season, and we'll see. <laughs> no, and I think that's a fair assessment. It is. It's an odd season. It's weird. You're you're playing the same teams. We're gonna get into that next. The same teams over and over and over and over. You play a team nine times. They're gonna know your strengths and your weaknesses. Um, I just feel like this is one thing with the Flames, where like a goalie comes in and they've been burned by Jonas Hiller and. Brian Elliott, and you bring in guys like that, and you there's hope. You're like, oh, I remember that that draft where they they traded for Elliott. And I'm like, oh, they got Brian Elliott, and then I was like, oh my god, they have Brian Elliott. <laughs> it just just didn't work out. It was so bad. My hope is with Markstrom, it works out because it has to because of the contract and the money. I mean, that's a big contract that the Flames inked him to, and we all expect those. I liken it to like when the Cubs signed John Lester, all my friends were over me like, he's old. He's not going to be any good. And I'm like, all Lester's got to do is win one world series in that time. And the rest of the contract doesn't matter. Who cares? It's just, it's, it's icing on the cake, whatever you want to house money. It doesn't matter. But I would like to think that if they expected him to be that good of a goalie, he has to have a much better season next year. And schedule wise, Michael and I were talking the other night, you know, how at some point it's tough to play a team. Like, 
I, I said at the beginning of the season, I wondered if 10 games against Edmonton was going to get old real fast, where the the fire just was going to be like, oh, God, I'm going to play the Oilers again, you know, where the rivalry isn't that special the 10th time around during a season. Um, Michael, since we you can hop back in now, like what would the flame season maybe look a little different if they were able to travel and say, you know, get out of Canada and play? Not necessarily some of the downtrodden teams like the Buffaloes and the Detroits, but just to see some different competition. Like, would things have looked a little differently this year? Well, yeah, I think they would. I don't want to use it as an excuse for them just because they've gotten because every team's had to deal with pretty much the same thing. Yep. But I think more so just the fact that like they could go on these longer road trips to I don't know, like Florida, Southern U.S. places where they could just get away from really all the intense like media scrutiny and the fans and stuff, or if they're on a losing streak, they can do some like team outings and stuff, just things to kind of get their minds away from hockey. Right now they're playing every game up in Canada where every game's getting pretty much nationally broadcast and all their fans are on them after every game. And it, it's just getting to the point, like you said, where they're playing pretty much a good team every night or they're playing Ottawa who apparently just against them is a good team. And it's, it's just gotten to the point where I think with, especially with no fans, it's just hard to muster that energy against the same opponent. And, there's really no way to get away from the game either if things aren't going well. I think that's why we've seen a lot of streaks with, like, for example, Buffalo or a lot of teams where if they're losing, it kind of snowballs really quickly and the Flames aren't really any different, regardless Maddie, of if they're in Canada or the U.S. Yeah, sorry to mean to cut you off there, Michael. Maddie, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it would be nice if they could, you know, be able to mix it up a little bit more. But at the same time, like, what I've been seeing here and with the Flyers is like even those gimme games or what are supposed to be gimme games against the Sabres aren't always, you know, it's, it's very possible that they, you know, would meet one of those struggling teams and look like be made to look silly because they're, you know, not playing super well either. Um, it's, it's a tough situation. And I definitely think probably a uh, change of scenery, like a road trip, like Michael said, would, be beneficial but i don't know i don't i don't know if i want to blame all of this on the the schedule yeah no i agree i think it's probably it's the ultimate you know the perfect storm the combination of everything that's going on because the way they've played against ottawa like you mentioned there's no need no guarantee they could have gone to buffalo and beat the sabers i mean also sorry sorry maddie but congratulations to the buffalo sabers for snapping their 18 game losing streak (laughs) they 6-1 win over the flyers yesterday like Oh God, Buffalo! We think we we think we got it bad with the Flames. They could be much worse. Sure so, um, yeah, so we got one reader question today. We put it out late, so we thank you guys who uh, um, put in the one question. It's a uh, Lucas at Lucas underscore Flames on Twitter asked us, "What should the right approach for the Flames be at the deadline?" And he'd also like us to say the hello to all the Flames fans in Brazil. So we don't usually get a lot of shout outs, but hey, Flames fans in Brazil, hello from Massachusetts and. Pennsylvania and Calgary. So thank you for the question. And it was, what should the flames, what should be the right approach for the flames on the trade deadline? And um, I think I am in the grab my gavel at the auction, sell, sell, sell. And I don't think it's anything major, but sell off anything that anybody will take. Like it's like a yard sale. You put your crap out in the front lawn. Somebody's always going to come by and want your crap. And then you might put it out for $5. You might sell it for two fifty, but just get rid of it. Um, Maddie, Michael, quick, quick thoughts on, um, Buy or sell. I think that's an ESPN segment, so we're probably just going to get copyrighted and sued, but buy or sell, Maddie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Absolutely sell at this point. Um, I 
And I wouldn't even be afraid to make a, a bigger move. You know, you're not just selling rentals or sort of depth pieces that other teams might want to be loading up on around the deadline like we normally see. Um, like we talked about, the the mix in the locker room doesn't really seem to be, seem to be working mm-hmm. right now. And if you could get another team to bite on maybe a core piece to send a shockwave or something, I... Like the team's captain. Mm, <laughs> spicy. Um, yeah, no, I'm just saying, like, I... I'm not banking on them doing that, and I'm not saying I need it to happen immediately, but I would be listening, you know, if other teams come knocking. Michael, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm I'm with Maddie. I think, like you said, you kind of just have to sell. You throw pretty much every name out there, especially guys. Obviously, like, you sell the rentals, and you wouldn't be buying rentals. Maybe, like Maddie was saying, if you can get, if you can move out a core piece, maybe even do, like, a core piece for a core piece if there's another team that wants to move, maybe you look at that, but I don't know. I was kind of thinking about this the other day, and like Mark, I'd be interested to hear your opinions, especially on it. I know we talked about it quite a bit, but like, yes, trade Sam Bennett. Yes. Oh no, that's yeah. We, readers have been waiting for years to hear your opinion on Sam Bennett. <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead. Sorry, keep carry on. I did not mean to interrupt you. Yeah. No worries. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking. Is like, who really is left as an untouchable on this team? Like. Even guys like Kachuk, who have dropped their play significantly this year, guys like Monahan, even Gidrum, like, I really don't know if there's a single player left on this team that I would, like, not take a single call on. Like, it just seems like everybody's kind of in that we don't really know what you are phase anymore. And, like, mm-hmm. there'd be guys that obviously keep most likely like a Lindholm or a Magipani, but I don't think this team has one true untouchable anymore. It's where a couple of years ago you could say, like, oh, Gidrum, Kachuk, obviously, like, you don't even take a call on, but now I don't think that's the case, but I'd be interested to hear what you think. Um, gun to my head, I think the four people, four players off the top of my head, Mangiapane, definitely one of them. I just think the way he plays the game, he's one of those guys that could be a leader and, you know, a face of this team down the road. Um, Noah Hannafin, um, ever since they traded for Noah Hannafin, I've been so high on Noah Hannafin. Um, and I think he's just, he's efficient. He's not flashy. Um, he's never going to be a major point producer, but I think he's just, he's efficient. He does what he's supposed to do. Is that um, just Massachusetts solidarity? Hey, leave my cat alone, all right? <laughs> no. It's funny. I try to do the Massachusetts accent, and it's horrible. And I got a message from somebody that was like, are you from Massachusetts? Because it comes through on the podcast. <laughs> like, so <it> good. <laughs> but um, he's wicked, wicked smart. We love him. Um, no, but I think I do. I kind of have a thing for Noah Hannafin. And then I would probably, I like, I think Lindholm is a guy you have to build around too because he's just so solid and steady. I know he's having a down year too. And of course, we all know that I have that Tory love affair with Johnny Gaudreau. So those would be like my literal four untouchables. But I know in this day and age, you know, we, we root for laundry most of the time as opposed to the person wearing the uniform. So nobody is truly untouchable um, today. But no, it's a good question, Michael. Maddie, you got any untouchables on the Flames roster? I don't know. I mean... I want to say everybody that you just said, uh, yeah. because it would hurt my heart deeply if any of them were moved. But like, I realistically, I don't know. I don't know. No. I kind of no. still want to put Kachuk in that category because I think he's going to rebound, mm-hmm. and I think they do want to build around him, even though it, yeah. we're upset with him this season. Um, it's a tough question. It's like a sneaky tough question. Yeah, no, and I agree on the Kachuk thing, too. I think he would probably be, like, my fifth if you could pick five. I just pick four randomly off the top of my head. I'm down on Kachuk right now, but I'm not so down on the point where you trade a guy like that who turns into, you know, 
the fifth best player in the game in five years when he's not with you. Um, so I think it's, you know, smart to keep him and maybe another season will rebound. I mean, Hey, maybe there'll be fans next year. I mean, I was watching the Cubs pirates game today and they were baseball fans in a stadium. And the first pitch of the game was called a ball and the entire Wrigley field, the entire stadium booed the umpire for calling a ball. So it felt <laughs> good to have people back in the building, by the way, baseball going well to Cubs uh, top of the fourth down three to two. So yeah, it's going to be awesome. Only 161 more to go. Um, <laughs> So anyway, nothing, we can't talk baseball because that would make this podcast four and a half hours because you have to do baseball as the season is and it's just too long. So anyway, anything else anybody uh, wants to add uh, before we uh, wrap this one up? No? Matt, you got anything? Michael got anything? Or do you think we're good to go? I think we're good. All right. We, we, we covered that the Sutter boys are mean. Um, we all feel bad for Johnny. Monty needs to get it together. Jacob Markstrom's missing. The schedule's terrible. I think I, I think we covered everything. I think we're good. And um, so, all right, I think we'll wrap it up here on the Tinderbox. Also, um, just because it happened to fall on today as we're podcasting, let's wish a happy birthday to Tracy, our newest writer. It's her birthday today. And she's happy turning, birthday! She's turning a spry 22 years old today, so we're going to wish her a big happy birthday. So happy birthday, Tracy, <laughs> and welcome back. So we are going to wrap it up on the Tinderbox. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can find us on Google Podcasts. You can find us on iTunes. You can also find us on Spotify just by searching the Tinderbox or Matchsticks and Gasoline. You can also look up Calgary Flames Podcast and you can find us there. If you want to find us on the internet, we are matchsticksandgasoline.com. The word and is spelled out, A-I-N-D. A-I-N-D. I can't even spell today. A-I-N-D. That's not even a word. We also can find us on Twitter at matchsticks.cgy and on the old Facebook at matchsticksandgasoline. Maddie, Michael, thank you so much for coming on today and talking Flames hockey and uplifting everybody's spirits in this ultra-positive season. We will catch you all next time on the Tinderbox.